Hello, welcome to this episode of the Heavy Mental Hour with your host, Jonathan Sherman. That's me. Today, we will be doing a brief interview called Ask a Marriage and Family Therapist with me, the Marriage and Family Therapist. Here we go. Why did you choose um, to be a licensed marriage and family therapist as a profession? Well, the reason I chose to be a licensed marriage and family therapist as a profession is because at first I was taking some general education classes, and one of my classes was called Family Science 101, and I heard it was an interesting class. I didn't really know a lot about it. What I found out that it was like psychology, but from a systems perspective, instead of looking at just the individual, it was looking at the larger family system. And I found it just fascinating, and I took class after class and eventually made that my major and found that many of my professors happened to be marriage and family therapists as well as professors. And so I heard more and more about the field, and it intrigued me. I I really liked the idea of being able to do something that could make a real positive impact in the world for individuals, couples, families, and do something that could be both intellectually stimulating as well as something that could give back to the community. Second question. Now, what educational and licensing requirements did you have to meet? The licensing and educational requirements that I had to meet is to be a therapist, you have to have at least a master's degree. So I had to get my bachelor's degree, which was about four years, and my master's degree, which was two years. And then after that, to become licensed, I had to um, get, I think it's 4,000 hours of professional experience uh, under supervision. And so what that equates to was two years of full-time work with a approved supervisor in the field. And then after that, then you, then you can apply for licensure. And then you can, when you're a fully licensed therapist, then you can work independently um, on your own without supervision. That's a lot of hours. <laughs> That's a lot of hours, but, it, you know, it's uh, it eventually, it, it seems like a lot up front, but, and it is, but when you're at this stage of the career, it's just way back in your rear view window, rear view mirror, it doesn't really affect you much. It's, 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 it's yeah, well worth it. True. Yeah. That's way true. So it was 4,000 hours is what you had to do? Yeah, which is, and that's after your, um, after, after, after graduate school. So, but what, like I said, as that, what that works out to is, uh, uh, two years of uh, full-time work. So if you have a job for two years, you know, and you're working full-time, you should, you're, you'll, you'll get your 4,000 hours in. And what does an average day in your practice experience look like? An average day in my practice experience looks, uh, well, I'll tell you what it is now, and I've worked in a lot of different settings and um, uh-huh. over the, so I've been working for 23 years in the field, and um, from anything from addiction treatment in a, a residential rehab program to working in youth service bureaus, um, community mental health centers, domestic violence treatment programs, um, things like that. Currently, I work in private practice. I have my own office, um, actually just in my backyard in a little cute little cottage. And so here, what my day looks like, uh, since I'm my own boss at this point, um, my hours are mine to set. I'm very flexible. I've got a 10-second commute out the back door. And the clients that I work with, um, although they may not feel highly functional in their lives right now, the truth is they're very highly functional people. They, um, they uh, are, you know, are motivated. They're willing to invest uh, the, their time and money and energy into this work. And so when I'm working with people like that, of course, that's kind of like, like most therapists dream. They want to work with highly motivated people because that's, you know, it's fun to work with people who want to do the work, you know. And yeah. um, 
So my day here could be I might see a few clients in the morning, a few clients in the afternoon, and a few clients in the evening, depending on some days I work later, some days I, I, get, I let myself get off earlier. And so, but on average, I, you know, I may be seeing, you know, five to seven clients a day, depending. Um, and I'm working in that, in, in the midst of that work, then the work that I'm doing falls under three main categories where I'm doing uh, marriage mastery work with couples or relationship work with couples parent training, and self-mastery work, which can involve just figuring out one's life to dealing with depression, anxiety, other mental health issues, as well as addiction treatment and things like that. So it's usually under those three areas of couples work, parent training, and self-mastery. And in that, um, I may be doing uh, play therapy models, cognitive behavioral therapy models, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy, family systems models, um, lots of different models that I draw from. I make sure that I do all, all the models that I use are research-based, evidence-based models, um, and not just go off my own pet theories. So that's, that, that's, a, that's a, I don't know if that's a basic day, I guess. What advice do you have for a potential licensed marriage, family, therapist, or similar? Yeah, the advice I have for somebody either going into licensed marriage and family therapy or licensed clinical social work or any of the therapy fields is um, to well to know a few things. One, you know, have have a realistic expectation of the field. When I went into the field, I was very idealistic about uh, the reasons for going in. Right, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to do work that was important, and that was a good motivation. And I don't regret that at all. What I wasn't really aware of is the financial realities um, of being a addiction or mental health counselor, um, trying to provide for a family and raise a family, it's, it's, uh, the, the pay isn't great, let's be honest. When you're working in a, in a treatment program or in community mental health, there's just not lots of funding usually. And so um, we lived very, very poor and very simply for a long time. And if, you're, if your attitude is okay with that and your needs are simple and you're an easily contented person, I mean, fortunately, my wife, Kara, um, has always said, uh, I can have it all. I just can't have it all at once. And she's always, you know, been very contented with simple things. And, and, um, when we could uh, do things, we would do them. And when we couldn't, we couldn't. And so I think it's important to just be aware of that. Now that I'm in private practice and I have enough years of experience behind me and enough skill sets and, uh, I can work in private practice and I charge, I charge a premium fee at this point and make a, a, a you know, a much more comfortable living and, um, I do a lot of speaking and, and training as well. So I really developed my skill sets beyond just my typical um, therapy skill sets that you first learn. But so that's one thing to be aware of. It's just what are, you, what are your career goals besides just being fascinated by the field? I would never discourage anybody from that, but they kind of have to check with their own self. Are they someone who can be easily contented with that? Or is that going to be a source of conflict or frustration in their relationships? Um, another thing to bear in mind is that it is... Um, you want to you want to check yourself as far as um, how you deal with stress, how you deal with uh, are you able to um, balance the taking on the concern of other people's pain and needs um, with taking care of your own. A lot of people, of course, are drawn to this field because, like me, they're bleeding hearts. They they give a crap. They worry about other people. They they want to do good, and so they care a lot. People who go into this field, and that's definitely what's needed. The problem is sometimes is we don't learn in this field in any of the healthcare professions, um, any of the helping professions, whether it's teachers or nurses, doctors, EMTs, uh, whatever, uh, therapists can uh, experience a high level of burnout in their field. 
And so when I first went into the field, uh, started going into graduate school, I was kind of freaked out by that because I had heard that there was a high level of burnout and high rate of divorce among uh, married graduate students. And I certainly didn't want to be the marriage and family therapist on his fifth marriage, giving counsel to people on how to have a great marriage. And I also didn't want to spend all this time and money and effort in a field that I was intellectually stimulated by, um, but come to find out later that I would just be emotionally drained. And so um, the short answer to that to that concern is to basically learn how to do uh, what we call taking care of the person of the therapist or self-care, knowing what you can do, knowing what you can't do, um, learning how to really take good care of yourself, how to have good boundaries with your clients, with your family, with yourself, um, find out how to balance your needs with the needs of others. And um, there's lots of answers to that, whether you're learning mindfulness or uh, meditation or whether you're doing other self-care practices, uh, learning, you know, uh, talking to someone like me to, to work through those things as you're, as you're trying to figure out how to do that balance is really important. It's important for us as therapists to have um, the support that we need just as we're giving support to other people. So these are some of the considerations I would, I would have people keep in mind that they're oftentimes not looking at as they're going into this field. They're not usually thinking about the money and they're not usually thinking about their own self-care. They're thinking about the education requirements or the licensure requirements or learning a new model or how to take care of a client. Those are all good things, but these are some of the background things that people aren't considering. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. That makes sense. I haven't really any. It's like crossed my mind, but like I haven't really deep down like thought about it. And I think that's kind of what my biggest concern was: of like, am I going to be able to cope with myself and helping mm-hmm. others cope with themselves? Kind of thing. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, but definitely. Um, and then, was there any else? Anything else that you had that you wanted me to? express to all my classmates about this well um, yeah yeah I'll, I, I mean i could talk forever about this field i'll tell you i've been doing it for 23 years now in all these different settings and while there's definitely been good times and bad times in the field i've had good jobs and bad jobs great colleagues terrible colleagues and everything in between but i'll tell you one thing i've never once been bored it is endlessly fascinating i never get tired talking about it even if i'm teaching the same thing to different clients it's always a new thing to that person and how to figure out and help work with that person to find a unique path through their uh, problems towards their goals, towards their solutions is um, always a new and exciting challenge. And so like any job, it has its ups and downs, but I, you know, I'm happy to say that this long into it, I've never once been bored and I've learned so much compared to what I used to know. And what's great about this job is I'll never learn all that there is to know. The, the, the human mind, human relationships are, are so expansive. We'll never cover it all in one lifetime. And so there's plenty to learn and plenty to be interested in. And there's lots of different ways to change, shift gears. I mean, I first went into the field um, because of our family background, thinking that I would want to specialize just working with child uh, sexual abuse cases. And while I certainly learned how to do that, um, I decided that it was more than I could handle on a daily basis. And I used to feel kind of bad about that because I felt like that was like my calling, what I should be doing with my, with my gifts and talents. And, and, um, but I also realized that I have to kind of go with what I'm, what my strengths are 
And so even though I'm trained in working with that, and the truth is I do work with sexual abuse all the time, but I shifted my focus into what I call creating greatness in relationships, that I figured one of the best ways to help combat any form of abuse is create greater attachment in relationships to um, have more secure relationships in the marriage relationship, have more secure relationships in the parent-child relationships, because it's really hard to hurt those that you value and those that you respect and those that you love. And so I figured that's a way I could still treat abuse, but do it on the prevention end versus on the intervention end. Although the truth is, as a therapist, I still do that a lot, and so I'm really grateful um, for those uh, working at work when I used to just work with that population. And that's one thing I guess I would say, too, is as a new therapist... Um, don't worry if you haven't quite found your niche yet. Um, You'll find that over time, but take advantage of every opportunity to work with any population you can. Because even though I work with a very specific population now of highly motivated clientele, the benefit of working when I worked in rehab or in youth, uh, doing being a youth substance abuse coordinator or uh, other situations with a chronically um, uh, low-functioning uh, clients and that I had in some community mental health settings, the uh, benefits of working with the really difficult populations is if you can work with them well and do it in a way where you don't get burned out and do it in a way that you can still be passionately committed to your field as well as to your clients, then you can work with anybody. So you, so now that I work with a more motivated clientele, I have all that background that when they have something that, that tough uh, that comes up that is real tough, it doesn't. I don't feel the need to refer them out to someone else because I already have that skill set, skill set firmly um, uh, practiced and experienced over many years. So um, it's it's great to get as many experiences as possible and in as many different settings as possible. I think. Yeah. Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to answer these for me. I really appreciate it. Truly, my pleasure. That's it for the Heavy Mental Hour this week. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Heavy Mental Hour podcast. Again, this is Jonathan Sherman, licensed marriage and family therapist. For more information about the services and workshops I provide, please visit marriagemby.com. And also visit heavymentalhour.com for more episodes. Peace.